0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way
1: Attention collectors of vinyl, have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples? Do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia, Listen to I'd Buy That for a dollar wherever you get your podcasts. The Bookshelf is pleased to be the official bookseller at the Eden Mills Writers' Festival, taking place in Guelph and Eden Mills, September 13th and 15th. Featuring the Joel Plaskett Emergency, Michael Pollan, Jim Guthrie, Emma Donahue, Thomas King, and many, many more. You can learn more about the 25th anniversary edition at EdenMillsWritersFestival.ca. In the Bookshelf Cinema this week, you can see 20 Feet from Stardom, Blue Jasmine, Unfinished Song and The Manor and visit the bookstore in person for all the latest periodicals and books including those by authors at the Eden Mills Writers Festival The Bookshelf is located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph visit bookshelf.ca for more info Creative Control with Vish Well hello and welcome back to school it's back to school time for those of you who go to school I hope you're excited about school. I kind of miss school sometimes, but not, not really. At the same time, not really. Special episode today. Before I get to that, you know, I just saw Blue Jasmine by Woody Allen. Amazing. Amazing film. Kate Blanchett. Unbelievable. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I guess because I mentioned it in that promo at the top of the show, but it's great. Check out Blue Jasmine. And don't... There were people laughing at it. I mean, it's not a comedy. It's It's actually very sad. It's about mental illness, and I think people in the audience I was in, I don't know if they could deal with it. But anyway, great film, Blue Jasmine. I can't recommend it enough. Special episode today, and my guest is Sorab Habibian, who is a member of Obits, one of my favorite bands, and we did something kind of special. I wanted to talk to them about their forthcoming album, Bed and Bugs, which is out on Sub Pop, uh, September 10th. And uh, on today's episode, you, we're going to preview the album in a very unique way. You're actually going to hear excerpts from this record on this episode, uh, you'll see what happens. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Obits on the show. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario – a proud independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerati, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza. The pizza. Personally, I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio, man! I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at five one nine eight two nine two four four four. Visit them at Seven Municipal Street in Guelph, and online at TrocaderoGuelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot ca. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Sorab Habibiun is a multi-talented musician, graphic artist, recording engineer, and generally great person who currently lives in Brooklyn, New York. For close to a decade, he played in the Washington, D.C.-based band Edsel before they broke up in the late 90s. He now sings and plays guitar in Obits, one of America's best surfy garage rock bands, whose gritty, powerful third album, Bed and Bugs, is available everywhere on September 10th via Sub Pop Records. The band, which also features bassist Greg Simpson, drummer Alex Fleissig, and vocalist-guitarist Rick Froberg, is touring the United States and Canada beginning September 21st, including stops at Montreal's Il Mator on October 3rd, Toronto's Horseshoe Tavern on October 4th, and the Biltmore Cabaret in Vancouver on November 14th. Here now to discuss some of these things and preview the new Obits record is Sorab Habibioun. Hi, Sorab. how are you? I'm well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. It's nice to speak again. Where in the world are yeah. you?
2: Uh, I am in my home in uh, Park Slope neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York.
1: Oh, th- how, how are things in Brooklyn today?
2: Uh, a little overcast, but uh, still, you know, leafy, bucolic.
1: That's how, exactly how I would describe the scene outside my window, for what it's worth. It's, uh, it's exactly <laughs> the same situation. It's, it's hot. It's, it's actually hot where I'm speaking to you from, in Guelph. Can you hear me?
2: I can't. I'm sorry. Was I supposed to respond to that?
1: <laughs> I was just going to say it was hot. I, that's all. <laughs>
2: yeah. No. 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 It's also humid here.
1: <laughs> you know, you're not fond of talking about the weather.
2: <laughs> no. No. I believe me. I, we all we all do it. I just I wasn't sure if there was going to be a transition <laughs> or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is hot here as well. <laughs> yes, that's all I was hoping for. That's all I was hoping <laughs> yeah, for yeah, some sorry, insight. Sorry, that's sorry. fine. But let's back up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we last spoke, uh, you told me you were making this new obits album in an apartment in washington dc and i'm curious if you stuck to that process to complete it
2: uh we did actually we i think when we saw you in st john's we'd done half of it and uh yeah we ended up going back to our friend's place he's got um his apartment is actually in a a suburb of dc in arlington virginia and uh it is, uh, it's a, you know, it's where he lives, so it's a nice, mellow place to record. So it was actually, I think the reason we had so much fun, we went the first time and then ended up going back, was because um, it felt more like hanging out and playing our music than it did actually uh, being in a recording studio, which can sometimes feel sort of stilted just because of the, you know, the, the, the formality of a recording environment, whereas yeah. his was very informal, which was, su- suits us very well.
1: And the gentleman in question, his name is?
2: Oh, uh, Nikhil Renaud. Right.
3: And, And,
2: uh, he's actually, the, the reason we know him is, uh, he was Hot Snake's live sound guy. And, uh, he's also somebody since Alexis, our drummer, and I grew up in the D.C. area. We had a bunch of mutual friends with him. And, um, so yeah, so he emailed and was like, hey, you know, if you guys ever are down in D.C. to play a show, let me know. It'd be fun to get you in here to record. And, um... I don't know. We just started talking, and I just thought, well, let's just give it a go and go down for a weekend and see what it's
1: like. And yeah, it worked out great. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, it does, thank you. I, 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 you can't really tell it's been recorded in an apartment for what that's worth. I don't know what that would yeah. sound like necessarily. <laughs> there's no one. Like, there's no mail. There's no like guy knocking on the right, door or anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> so well, yeah, there's,
2: it's actually he lives uh, above a bar, but the bar doesn't actually start going until later at night, and so during the day we can basically make as much noise as we want. And and then uh, at night it's kind of fun because we'll take a break, or we we would take a break, we're done. Uh, (laughs) We would take a break, and we'd sort of hear the uh, kind of the bar chatter coming up, and uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's a fun environment to be in as opposed to the normal studios try to block out every possible exterior uh, thing, you know, stimuli, Mm -hmm. and uh, so it was cool to be in a place where it didn't really matter. It actually made it more uh, just kind of intimate and, you know lounging around style
1: yeah 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 no it sounds that sounds comfortable are you in st yeah. john's you also mentioned that this lp might prove to be a bit different for obits and then i think we corresponded over email and you said that influences like the birds uh chrome can dr feelgood ethiopics jj Cale, and the ruts were kind of creeping into the sound at the time and i'm curious if uh if that was the result of some collective time spent listening to those artists or or what
2: you know, I don't know. It's it's funny. Uh, at this point, I would say, at our uh, sort of relative age as people who have been listening to music, um, I would say, you know, all those all the bands that you mentioned are, are all bands that we've sort of uh, ingested for at least 10, 15, 20 years or something. So, yeah, it all comes out in the wash, for sure. Um, and so it's not... Um, I would say we don't consciously try to say like, hey, let's work on this ruts part. It's more It's more. it becomes kind of um, as we're working on something, sometimes when it's still in this kind of nascent, vague, amorphic stage, sometimes we'll try to figure out which direction we want to go with it. So in the case of um, the song It's Sick, when I first wrote that riff, I actually was thinking like, oh, you know, I was listening to a bunch of the, uh, the first vibrators record and I, and I, and I really love how they write these amazing pop songs, but they're, you know, considered a punk band or whatever. And, uh, I thought, you know, it would be really fun to try to write something like that, particularly I think Rick has such a great singing voice that it gets under utilized sometimes mm-hmm. as a singer mm-hmm. um, but if you do karaoke with him you'll discover he does a great Pat Benatar Oh um, <laughs> he does, Yeah, he really does uh, <laughs> That's, but, great. Uh, That's great to hear Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, But but so anyway So you know, I, was, I was kind of working on this these chords and I was thinking it would be fun to do sort of a vibrator's thing and then I took it into the practice space and immediately it didn't sound like that anymore and then we couldn't figure out it had this moment where it could sort of go more like The Ruts, or it could go more like ZZ Top, or uh, Doctor Feelgood, and it just really was a matter of like how we were going to phrase the particular riff. And so, you know, in saying like, "Hey, let's try try like The Ruts," it's not like we're actually saying like, "Hey, let's write a Ruts song." Uh, it's it's more just like that. It becomes our very pedestrian shared language of how to talk about what we're how the song is going to shape up. Because um, none of us are music school guys, so we can't say like whatever the music school equivalent of, of saying like, "Hey, like, well, you know, do it like the Ruts would do it." Uh, yeah. Anyway, if,
1: if we were at, if we were in a university right now talking, we would probably refer to this as a signifier.
2: Right, 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 right. right. I think so. I, I hope. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in like sociological terms or whatever. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that that for us we have you know we have that, that those common things so you can say like you know. When somebody says like make it more like Mishnah Burma or whatever yeah. whatever it is that you choose to say, it's like we sort of know what, what you know what we're going for at that moment. But um, yeah, and I and I, I mean I think it's one of the things that's fun about playing music with the, the group of people that we have in our band is that we do have those shared signifiers, but we would never ever accept doing something that actually sounded like just one of those particular things. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah you it, know, it still comes uh, out like a like an obit song, uh, whatever you... Yeah,
2: and to. I I think that's the point, is that, you know, it's like we have to have our our, our own voice is the part that is the most, I think, uh, telling about whichever kind of signifier we end up using, or, yeah, whatever reference points we, we use. Uh, I think the, the main thing is that in the end, it has to have our own voice. Otherwise, it's kind of not worth doing i mean you know i'd rather listen to the ruts than us doing the ruts <laughs> you know? Sure, sure
1: no that that makes sense so listening back what's your general feeling about bed and bugs as it kind of relates to obit's discography thus far
2: um I, you know it's funny I, I think in in some ways it's there there are, there are certain songs that i think if you just played them by themselves they would sound Significantly different from anything we 've done, um, but then there are other ones or maybe parts of other songs that sound like really obvious extensions of things that are on uh, either either one of the first two records mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I like that. I like the fact that it's uh, it 's sort of part of a continuum, but it also definitely has some new branches. And I think part of that is having Alexis as a drummer, because he's a, he's a distinctly different drummer than Scott was. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and it took us a little while as a band to figure out how to how to take advantage of that, because, um, you know, he has a lot of power, but part of our whole MO is to not just turn on the power. It's to, it's, uh, to keep things in reserve and to try to, you know, utilize dynamics
3: and yeah, space
2: yeah. And, and to create kind of more of a simmering atmosphere that has tension um but you know it's great with alexis because if you want to if you want to ramp it up he can totally ramp it up uh so i think i think that was a really nice new thing to to discover and work with in our songwriting that came out on this record
3: yeah
1: i viewed your last record moody standard and poor as i mean i I viewed it as very artful but i also kind of saw it as politically charged Does, does, does this record have a a sense of commentary or, or a theme running through it that you've uh, perceived at this point.
2: Well, you know, um, Rick sings. I would say ninety-five percent of the songs that we have. So, uh, I, I don't. You know, I don't want to speak for him, so I don't really know. I would say that this record. Um, I'd say all of our stuff actually has more of a personal component to it, and anything that comes off as political, it's not that it's not. Uh, necessarily intended but i don 't think that's that 's the the goal or the purpose or the sure. kind of the the overarching motif um, but I think you know I think uh, I think we're you know being being adults in two thousand and thirteen in the world that we live in, I think it would be really strange to make any sort of art and to not have it reflect the times that we 're living in, which are in incredibly politicized and and uh... You know, if you're a sentient human, <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think you can do something and not somehow react to what's going on around you. And you know, that doesn't mean we're going to write a song about the Arab Spring or anything like that. But uh, but you know that that I think that our music does reflect our own personal struggles, which are part of um, the greater world that we live in.
1: Yeah, the, the, it's a I guess it's a cliche now, but the whole idea of like the personal is political kind of thing I think does come through in when i've when i've conversed with rick about this he kind of deflects the idea that there's some grand meaning in his songs and that's just i think the way he is and uh, yeah
2: know. and i think to to his credit he wants you uh, you know he wants the, he wants the listener to kind of do their Part yeah. two and I think he really feels like if you if you give away too much, you know, I mean if it's I mean like the classic hardcore thing is you're like, you know, this song is about walking across the street, seeing somebody you hate and turning the other direction. It's called walking across the street, seeing somebody you hate, turn the other <laughs> direction you
3: know. <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> and you know, it's like it's like, Okay, so <laughs> you know. I mean it's all kinda it's a little too obvious. And I think, you know, for him it's important to to not have that, to make sure that you have space to to interpret and to enjoy and to take your you know whatever you're experiencing and to to, to leave room for that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that,
2: that, that, that said. You know, he's got a great way with words, and he he writes. You know, I mean, when he sings the word greed, you know, it's like it's pretty it's pretty intense.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, totally and totally. And I think you know what you're referring to there is kind of. The idea of having heavy-handed songs, or, or if not even heavy-handed songs, but maybe explaining, over-explaining them, kind of has this weird reverse effect where it kind of stunts the communication that a band has with its audience, right? Because you're—that's the whole point—is you're supposed to have like a—it's almost like a conversation. And why would you just take up the whole half of the conversation?
2: I, I, yes,
3: I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. I
2: mean, I, but I think, I think in, in different kinds of music and in different kinds of environments. Uh, that's not what people are looking for. By the way, the beeping you're hearing right now is... Uh, you have another our, call. Our mayoral, well, it's actually, I'm positive, it's spam. Right now are the, the mayoral elections in New York. Oh. And uh, so we're getting all these spam calls. So
1: When is that over?
2: Uh, it's coming up very soon, maybe... And, yeah, I don't know, next week or two weeks, something like that. So it's probably Christine Quinn's people calling and asking if I'm going to vote for her. The answer is no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully they can hear this podcast when it comes (laughs) out and they understand. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. You were saying?
2: uh, Oh, yeah. I I just think in different different environments, uh, people have different expectations for what that relationship is going to be between band and audience and you know I think in the in the in the world of like hardcore you know 80s hardcore is the one that I'm familiar with but uh it's like you know you go and when the singer tells you what it's about you're like yeah that's what that's why I'm here cuz that's what, it's about that you know <laughs> and it it you know and it has like a real sort of um almost religious fervor to it and uh you know I mean I imagine like in in churches and, uh, you know, temples and mosques, you know, the, the person stands up and says, you know, I'm going to give you a sermon about this subject, and, you know, people show up because they know. It says on the marquee out front, like, today's sermon is about this, <laughs> you know. Right, right. And, 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 and for people who are interested in that, it works perfectly. I think for, you know, people who are suffering uh, existential crises like ourselves, <laughs> so it's got to be vague. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: But this is um this is actually now a difficult segue into uh, the next segment of our conversation because <laughs> I was hoping to uh, go through the songs uh, from the new record with you now and just see what we can learn about them. Obviously not the uh, inherent meaning behind them necessarily, but I just want to get sort of basic stories about each of the songs. Is that, is that something we can do? And then actually we might actually hear from them as well. Uh, sure, or, or maybe just
2: like some sort of anecdotal thing behind yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. We, yeah. we don't have okay. to. We don't
1: So, like, let's start with the first song, which uh, I believe was the first single, so to speak, the first song that people got to hear from the new record. It's called "Taste the Diff."
2: Right. So with "Taste the Diff," um, I think, as far I don't, not not to get into the meaning of it, but actually the the title of it. Um, we all you know rick and alexis and greg and i all work in graphic design and uh and so and a couple of us have worked in advertising doing design work and so we in a really nerdy way are obsessed with like fonts and slogans and logos and all these kinds of things and so when we're sitting around a practice and we're goofing around we come up with really cornball slogans for Essentially, it's like a play-by-play of our practice,
3: uh,
2: and 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 uh, and so taste the diff came from that where you know I, I don't know we were having a beer at practice and we ran out of the one kind and offered the other kind and somebody said mm, you can really taste the diff <laughs> 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 and then it sort of became this like really stickly thing like hey taste the diff you know
1: uh, there's a maniacal laugh yeah. at the beginning there's like a maniacal do you know is that part of the story there.
2: Oh, that actually was when Rick was doing the vocals, and I think Greg said something to him to make him laugh, and, uh, and he actually wanted to cut it out, and I was like, no way, we got to keep that in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right, so uh, I'd like to play a six-second excerpt of each of the songs we're going to talk about, and kind of in the spirit of Vine, are you on Vine?
2: I'm not, but we actually only wrote this, the song six seconds at a time, so it's perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to give people a six-second excerpt of each of the songs on the record, and I'd like to offer you the opportunity, uh, Sorab, to choose what point in the song we should start from. So that rather than just starting at the beginning, we could, but uh, what do you think? Is there a point in the song that we should just start from? I can, I can engineer it so that we start at a certain point.
2: Huh, that's a good question. I guess with this song, I mean, you know, if you want to get the the yeah the diabolical laughter at the beginning, you, you can definitely just start it there. But in that case, yeah, I guess you only really get one chord.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's a six-second. Yeah, it's let's a go six, for that.
2: Yeah, start, start, six six with the, start with the menacing laughter. We, yeah. can, we
1: can't we can't give people everything in six seconds. So that's we can, right. Yeah. That's okay. Good. So this one we'll start at the beginning. This is Taste the Diff. Let's let's go for it. Six seconds, done. <laughs> there you go. There you go, okay. So the second song on the album is Spun Out.
2: Yes. That one, um, we actually had that, the basic uh, nuts and bolts of it were something that we we're kicking around for a long time, and we, we it was just one of those songs that kept eluding us. Uh, you know, it we had seemed cool at the time, but then we'd listen to practice recordings, and it just, something about it was just not working. Yeah. Um, so we actually let it go for a really, really long, like, couple years. Um, and then as we were going through what song options we had for this record, we were listening to various practice tapes, and that came up, and we were like, hey, you know, actually, it sounds pretty good. And then, um, so Greg basically changed, like, kind of tightened his bass line a little bit, and then uh, I did this guitar part at the beginning that sort of doubles his bass line but also harmonizes with it because I, I wanted to do something that wasn't an exact double but um kind of emphasized it at the same time uh-huh. um and then rick came up with those really i, I really love those sort of rockabilly kind of twangy chords that he came up with and in those parts there i thought really one, once we did that it felt like we had something and the song was kind of starting to come together for us and then um in the chorus Greg does this really neat it's um his bass line is actually in three four so it's just three notes that repeat over and over again so mm-hmm. as the guitar chords change, his pattern actually lands in a different spot every time, oh. which sounds super music schooly and it's not supposed to be but uh it gives it this really c- kind of interesting uh ovoid shape, which I really like you know it's 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 more uh, egg shaped as opposed to circular um and, uh, and so that was kind of a fun thing to mess with. And then we sort of revamped that as the outro where he does that and, you know, Rick comes up with these kind of rave-up guitar chords. So <laughs> I, I actually, that in his vocal, Rick's vocal melody on, on Spun Out is one of my favorites on the record. I, I really, very singy.
1: Okay, well, now you've given us various <laughs> points to go to now in the song. You mentioned the ending, you mentioned the chorus. Where, where should I begin the next six-second excerpt?
2: Uh, you know what just take it from one of the verses i really I really like Rick's vocal melody in the verses a lot
1: all right, so um, where would that be? Well,
2: what? actually, you know maybe you could take it from the the, the the there's um like the riff that comes in just before the vocal starts, so you get like one pairing of those twangy chords and then he'll start
1: singing. okay, let me do that. I think you should be able to get that in six seconds okay let me let me try and find it Well just bear with me here. All right. Well, that sounded that sounded cool, sir. That that thanks for making that choice. We have to move on to uh, another song called "It's Sick Now." This
2: uh, "It's Sick" is actually the one that started out not at all what it sounds like now. It started out really with the vibrators one that ended up being like, a, do we go the Ruts route or do we go the ZZ Top route or the Doctor Feelgood route? And it ended up really like none of those. It sounds, I think, uh, it, in in. It sounds most like a chrome song, which is why Rick I think sings the way he does is that uh it, you know he t- he sort of takes on a character in in his vocals, uh-huh. which I thought was really cool he hadn't he hasn't done that so much before, um and uh honestly, when he first did it, we were all like, whoa what what's he doing uh but it, I think it actually really works because it gives it this kind of menacing quality, which is really i think really works for for the lyrics uh and uh yeah, I'm happy with the way with the way it's sick turned out um and I like how it goes from these very sort of like tight um staccato sort of verses into these kind of bigger more uh kind of broader choruses okay and then you have the total you have the total like cheese rock outro you know <laughs> with the uh where where the guitars are kind of wangling their way down. <laughs>
1: All right, so where should we go uh, to hear... What should we hear in this one? You mentioned the intro again. Um,
2: let's see. Um, I wonder if you can go from, like... Six Six seconds is so short. I know. Uh,
1: that's what Vine's all about, isn't it? It's
2: crazy. Yeah, it's so short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if you can go from maybe... I, I'm just guessing, but uh, if you can go from like the last line of the verse into the first line of the chorus, that might be 6 seconds. That way you get a little bit of both so you can hear um Rick's sort of vocal affectation and then uh, the for us what would be a big chorus.
3: <laughs> okay, let, let me try. Let me try I'm and try sure, that. <laughs>
2: I'm sure for for other bands it sounds not like a chorus at all. <laughs>
3: it's a bridge. <laughs> well, well, let's let's take a look. Let's let's have a listen now and see if I can find it.
1: He sounds like a ghoulish goblin or something.
2: Yeah, yes. And you really get the full goblin effect at the end when he screams that like blood curdling scream.
1: Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, I wonder what possessed him to do that's kind of a interesting choice that Rick made.
2: Yeah, well I mean I think yeah, I I think um on a, yeah, as I said when he first did it, the rest of us were a little shocked because we'd never heard him do that before, but I think it really works and I really like to me it's it's such a it's a I think it's an interesting thing when a singer actually decides that their voice is an instrument mm. and takes advantage of it and I think it actually really speaks to how good of a singer Rick is. I mean, I, I sort of can't stress this enough. I think a lot of people associate him with, like, the very, like, kind of guttural expression that he's so good at. But he actually is an exceptional singer. Um, and I think when he does something like this, it actually shows that he has he has an incredible range and one which uh, you don't necessarily appreciate just by listening to, like, a Jehu song or...
1: No, I, I totally, I'm with you. I think he's he's uh, arguably my favorite sort of rock singer. And we're going to get to a song a little bit later called Receptor, in which uh, I think that range is more on display. Um, uh, yeah, but, yeah, you
2: definitely hear him sing
1: on that one. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Because uh, when I first heard Taste the Diff, I'm like, wow, Rick is sounding very ragged. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that day he was ragged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully on board with what you're saying. Uh the next song on the album is This Must Be Done.
2: That song is actually the first song on the record that I think really establishes the 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 variance in uh the sound palette on this record. Mm. So the first three tunes we recorded all in the studio in Arlington with our friend Nikhil. Um, this Must Be Done was something that we had actually recorded in our practice space um, and it was just Greg and Rick and me. And I was playing a tambourine with my foot just to keep time while we were going through it. And we, we do a really basic recording. Um, and again, when we were going through and listening to the various things to, to think of how we wanted to put the record together. We came across that and really liked it and really liked the simplicity of it and just the way it sounded, even in that practice room recording. Mm. And so we took that, I mean, it's just a you know, like a stereo digital recorder, um, and we took that to our friend's studio, and we dumped it down onto his eight-track, and then Alexis overdubbed his drums, Greg doubled his bass, uh, added an acoustic guitar, which I think is a first for one of our records. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, and I I think I accentuated one of my guitar parts or something, but you know, I, it made me really happy that that uh, I thought that that was a nice for me as a band a nice way of breaking away from what had been a very kind of traditional approach to the band in the room which I really like and I think in general that works for us but I, it was cool to make a record where we were willing to take a few for us what would be chances I think for other people it's kind of normal stuff but yeah uh,
3: yeah, yeah no i i, I but we were
2: sort of breaking from the you know from the 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 kind of uh documentarian approach to our our songs
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's cool. All right, well, it's time to pick another section of the song. By the way, how are you enjoying this exercise thus far?
2: Oh, it's cool, it's cool. Uh, the the six-second part is tough just because I actually don't even... This is one of those terrible things. Like I don't know how long six seconds is.
1: Uh, well, you just, you just count to six in a kind of... <laughs> you, you count to six like in an incremental fashion, or...
2: One-one-thousand-two, well, yeah, no, I know, but I mean... Do you have a watch? Yeah. Do you have, like, a clock or something on hand?
1: I can... It's very easy. I can teach you about time when we are done. <laughs> no, I, I I know what you're saying. It's it's actually I'm I'm amazed uh, what a great contestant you're being on this ridiculous game I've come up with. But I thought you know this is a way for people to get a sense of what we're talking about, but not too much of a sense. You know what I mean?
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, let's see. Six seconds of this song. Um, let's see. I actually. Am
1: Oh, now you're listening. Look at that. I can hear you Well, yeah. <laughs> I, if you, hey, if you're going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick six seconds. That's fine. Uh, That's great. This is what I wanted. I, I thought, this is perfect. This is great. We're going to get the exact thing we want now because you're listening, too. And by the way, this is a great podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Two, two guys listening to digital
1: files
2: simultaneously while they're on the phone. This is definitely... There's no reason to buy records anymore. No, really, this is
1: the way music will be heard from now on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh... Maybe go from, like, 36 seconds, and then you get the snippet of the last of the verse and the transition into the chorus.
1: Okay, so 36-second mark of this must be done for six seconds. Here we go. You ready?
2: Hold on. I lied. What? Go from 44 seconds, and then you get the transition of the chorus.
1: Okay. All right. I'm going to go at the 44-second mark. Just give me a second here. I gotta say, I, I went, uh, I went for a bit longer than I said. That that was longer than that was nine seconds. But still, that's still that's pretty good. That's not bad. Good job. All right. Uh, coming up next, Pet Trust. I like my pet. I don't know. I, I'm I'm i fearful for what this song might mean, but I, I love.
2: I oh really? I think it, it's a, to me it's a really sweet sounding song. Okay, okay, uh, good, good. You know, I mean, what Rick's first line is: make sure you care for your love. That's a really sweet line. Yeah, it's
3: true. That's true.
2: And provide for your friends, you know. I mean, that's like, that's like romantic poetry, man. I know, <laughs> I know. but there's <laughs> always.
1: I think there's always something bubbling under the surface of lines like that that could be sinister. We we've already established. But, no, that you're he, right. you He right. might be a ghoulish goblin. We've already established that.
3: You know.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I bet to... you put those lines next to the scream. It's a little different. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely one that was it was a it was a hard one to 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 work on just because. Um, the guitar playing on it is definitely different than uh, on most of our guitar parts for other songs where it's um, I hesitate to say it veers on funky (laughs) and uh, well that'll come up again in a minute for another song yeah yeah but uh, but you know I I think it was just trying to make sure that we were sort of airing on the side of the Minutemen or even like a big star or something Mm -hmm. and not falling into that weird Sort of like Chili Pepper's ditch. <laughs> you
1: know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a bad ditch, man. That's not a good place to be. Uh, it's
2: not our ditch. It works for millions of people, but it's not our ditch. Sure. You know? sure. Uh so yeah, but but um, but but it was it was fun. It was a fun one to, to, to work on and it definitely took a lot. I mean, I know these songs all sound really pretty simple and pedestrian, but it's shocking how much work we actually put into them. You know, we we have, like, version 21 of some of these songs, uh, just, like, Minutely, kind of working at certain certain parts of them just to to get them so so that for us they're the best version that we can figure out. I'm sure in the hands of professionals it would be done better, but this is what we got.
1: Well, for what it's worth, and I'm not just trying to butter you up. I I never think of your songs as uh, in this band as anything but thoughtful. So I'm not sure what I think you're just being modest, maybe because I I think I can hear.
2: No, 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 no. I I guess what I mean is that I think. Um, you know, like I said before, we're we're not professionally schooled musicians, and so all the stuff that we do is is from just learning as we go, and uh, and so I think there's a little bit of kind of self consciousness that comes along with that, where you think like, ah, you know, like some kid who graduated from Berklee School of Music last week could probably figure this out in five seconds and would have told us to do this, you know, but meanwhile, it's taken us three months to figure out how to make this part better, right? Um, well, and, and but, you know, that's the process that we deal with, and it's, it's good for us.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, don't, don't sweat it. All right, so now we need to pick a point in pet trust for people to hear for six seconds. So
2: <laughs> I'm sure they're dying to hear the funky guitar part. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds like you've uh, whetted our appetites uh, with some funk. Right. <laughs> this is like the best Royal Crescent Mob song you've never heard. <laughs> uh, no, let's see. Um, um, six seconds, again, so hard. Start from nine seconds in, and you just get the top of the uh, the verse. Okay, that's probably a weak, probably a weak
1: choice, but whatever. No, it's fine. This is this is not easy. Again, you're doing a marvelous job of competing in this game with yourself. Okay, so the <laughs> nine second mark of uh, Pet Trust. Here we go. Nice, good choice.
4: that song. <laughs> All right, now
1: we're moving on to uh, another song. This one is uh, an instrumental and it's also a cover, uh, I believe. R- yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, what, what, yep, what is it what is, is the name of the song?
2: Well, I don't know the real pronunciation, but we we say Besachep. Okay. I really, I don't know. I have no idea how close that is to the to the how you're supposed to say it. But um it was it's I think it's on the Ethiopiques 5 compilation. Um, and those, those those Ethiopian comps that came out uh, a few years ago or a bunch of years ago at this point, I guess, uh, we all really liked a lot. And we liked how much variety there was. I mean, you know, some of the stuff was more sort of like late '60s, early '70s R&B sounding. Some of it was like the ethio jazz stuff, and then um, some of it was more traditional Ethiopian music. And and this song, if you listen to the original, you will hear the same melody, but it's actually played on some kind of flute or some sort of out uh, tune <laughs> wind instrument. Um, oh, okay. And it's, it, uh, I don't know if it was Rick or Greg who who wanted to try it, but we actually, f- we were playing it in practice for a while, and this is when Scott was still in a band, um, and we did a bunch of recordings of it in practice, and we, we kept thinking, you know, let's work on this some more, maybe we'll take an idea from just the exercise of doing it and write something on our own from it um, and then, honestly, when it came time to do this record, we stumbled across one of those practice recordings, and we're like, you know what, this is actually it's fine the way it is, and again, it's got a different sound quality to it, because we did it in our practice space, just on a two-track, but... I think that it works and it kind of goes with the spirit of the the song I think. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, so.
1: it doesn't it doesn't really stick out like a, uh, in, a in any negative way. I I, I did notice know it it's, it is different but it, it's not negative. So that's good. That's great. No.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and it gives it a little, you know, a little uh, we like to have at least one instrumental on each record just to I don't know. Maybe it's a nod to like the classic surf records or something like that. But it but it's uh it's kind of nice I think just to take a a little breather and like, you know, halfway through the record to have something that's kind of a palate cleanser.
3: Yeah,
1: no, totally. All right, so uh again, we need to pick 6 seconds. 6 seconds.
2: 6 seconds. Okay. Um I might say towards the end of this one. Let's see. There's like a fluttering guitar part. Um Yeah, why don't you go from like two, 240, and you'll get this kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, like Flight of the Bumblebees kind of uh, guitar trilling that goes into the end of the song.
1: Okay, 240. Here it comes. Here. Well, I had uh, kind of like a Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Stones
2: <laughs> the outro you're right i never thought about that totally we need to get we need to get a sax player <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sure bobby keys is available they're not touring that much that's uh yeah that was pretty cool all right thank you very much Just get
2: a pile of cocaine and some prostitutes <laughs> and he'll
1: sign right up i'm sure he will i'm sure he will not to uh disparage the great bobby keys on my podcast but uh yes that is something he might be into you're you're probably right here's another well, thing here's, here's another thing bobby keys might be into operation bikini <laughs> <laughs> this song this song actually has a harmonica on it
2: yeah it, it does it does i mean it's 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 really only in that kind of uh intro part but um yeah rick brought rick has a couple of harmonicas he brought them and just you know we're gonna see if something worked and uh he ended up just trying it and i don't think that the, the, whatever he did later didn't seem to work but that right at the top it was kind of a nice Jarring sound to to have, and I you know I think we thought particularly as a song to start the second side of the record was a nice way of just sort of you know introducing it.
1: Okay, Is that, that's, that seems straightforward enough of an explanation. Should we? And then, uh, given what we just discussed, should we just play it from the top?
2: Uh, you, you know, in six seconds you'll just get the intro, but you know, fine, that's totally fine. <laughs> Um, I will say, I will say, though, that this is the other song with uh, the funky guitar playing. Uh, And and again, again, it was like we were trying really, really hard to make sure that we sort of stayed within certain boundaries. And, uh, you know, being super into, like, the Ethiopian stuff and just listening to, you know, I think right now we're at a great great moment where all these record labels are reissuing these like lost nuggets um, and so you know there's been all those great compilations of like uh, uh, the Ghana you know like funk and rock from Ghana in the late 60s early 70s mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and some th- there was that really cool compilation of uh, of Iranian psych music and anyway there's been some really really great stuff and so with this tune we were really trying to find a space kind of in uh, in that, like, early 70s kind of Zamrock, you know, African psych thing, and, again, not venture into some sort of weird Paul Simon territory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, having said that, then, should we start at the top? Do you want to pick another point for, uh, that sort of um, reflects what you're, what you're discussing?
2: Yeah, maybe, uh, like, 30... Like 30- 33 seconds in or something, I think you get the end of uh, the opening guitar riff that transitions into the <coughs> the Paul Simon
1: part. Okay, here it is, 33 seconds in to Operation Bikini. Very cool part. That's a cool part. That was good. Thank you very much for uh, picking that. All right. Uh, the next song is uh, "Malpractice." It seems to be about a birth, and it also contains the lyric "vaginal delivery," which I that stuck out for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, us too. <laughs> <laughs> what can you What can you say about "Malpractice"?
2: Um, well, I, I can relay what Rick told us, which I thought was interesting. Which is, I guess, he was at a point where he, had I been mean, riding the subway a lot, and um, was just bombarded with all the ads for these kind of uh, you know, shyster Fitzgerald and fitzgerald uh lawyers, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of uh that's that's not a disparagement against Irish people by the way. That's an actual <laughs> <laughs> that's, those are actual people who have an ad on the subway. Uh-huh. Uh, uh but uh yeah, just just feeling feeling just constantly just bombarded by all this advertisement for, you know, malpractice lawsuits and um and it's really just kind of a horror of, of um, people taking advantage of other people's misfortune. Um, and uh, so he, I guess, just wrote the lyrics as kind of a, almost like a straight, um, it just kind of tells the story of, of this, uh, this difficult birth and so you get words like uh, vaginal delivery and fundus. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know?
1: Right. All right. Well,
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Rick, is, Rick is a very observant uh, songwriter, I find. He always tells cool stories out of just things I think he runs into or whatever.
2: Yeah. And I think in, in, his, in his voice, I think words which, if you just read them on paper, are don't seem like they would actually be lyrics at all. I seem to work, which is really, really cool.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, if you were to pick six seconds from malpractice, which uh, six seconds would they be?
2: Um, let's see. Um, should we pick the vaginal delivery part?
1: Well, sure. We can't go wrong with <laughs> vaginal delivery.
2: Okay, I think... So I think if you get start at 36 seconds, <laughs> you, 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 you might be lucky
3: enough to hear those words. <laughs>
1: There you go. There you go. There you go. We got it. We got what else it. do you need to hear? What else do you need? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, this song is followed up by one called This Girl's Opinion.
2: Um, yeah, that, that that was another one that we were sort of working on for a long time. And uh, I think my guitar part was the one that was the most problematic as we were working on it. Because I sort of had a couple different ways I could play it. And uh, we also we were doing a version that was much slower. And... Um, Rick had the idea to to just speed it up and then I switched my guitar part so it has kind of this more it, you know it's kind of higher up on the guitar um so it's a little bit more pronounced and a little uglier um and uh it just seemed to work much better um so yeah okay
1: uh again where are we going let's see um you're still into this. I-, I appreciate that you're still doing this.
2: <laughs> sure, man. No, 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 no. It's it's, it's cool. It's, 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 uh, it's
1: a... kind of interesting, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is interesting. Because um, so little happens in six seconds, and yet it's supposed to somehow kind of uh, wrap up the
1: whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what that I, again. It's 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 a it's a again. I'm just borrowing a model from a social media platform, and I'm trying to apply it to the rest of our lives
2: yeah <laughs> maybe uh start at 40 seconds in okay um i'm not sure how much of a snippet of the song that i'll give you but it is uh i'll tell you, you get...
1: six seconds
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it's exactly stuff but at, le- at least you get uh a line that i really like a lot he sings uh if i gotta humor you i drink for free
1: oh interesting all right let's hear it let's hear it here it is I went 8 seconds there. I apologize, but uh, that That's, yeah. that was cool. All right. Uh here's a song I alluded to earlier, Receptor, uh which uh, I think is one of the the great anomalies in the Obits catalog that I've heard thus far.
2: Yeah, I I would I would agree. Uh I mean it's it's definitely um I would say it's probably as close to um it's as close to, like, conventional rock and roll sounding song as I think that we've we've done. I don't know. Would you agree with that?
1: I su- yes. I mean, what sticks out for me, when you say conventional, it makes it sound um, normal or, or something, which I don't necessarily... Well, I mean,
2: more like the, mo- the most sort of, like, Rolling Stones-like, or, you know what I mean? It, ha- it has, it, I think it has elements to it, or, like, even, like, uh, Crazy Horse. I mean, it just has elements to it that are, I think...
1: It strays more more,
2: fami- more immediately familiar in in like the the rock, you know,
1: canon or whatever. Yeah, and it strays closer to maybe rock balladry on some level. Like, there's just a gentleness to it. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, much no, th- I agree. That's where I'm coming from. All right, let's hear a little bit from uh, Receptor. Six seconds. <laughs> you got you to gotta pick six seconds. Yeah. I think one of the reasons we're not very popular
2: is these long ass intros. <laughs>
1: no, they're good. I, I like them. I, I I always think that the tension in obits is that there's a tension between like, are we an instrumental band or aren't we? Uh, because <laughs> like, you clearly have things. Th- yeah, well, you clearly have things you want to say, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think they're always the lyricism in the band is very thoughtful, but um, there is also the sense of, and it happens live sometimes where. Rick in particular will just abandon singing uh, because he just wants to play.
2: Yeah, and it's actually it's definitely it makes it fun as a band that to to be in a group where people are you know I mean really the music is what we're what we enjoy playing and getting across and it's fun as like in those moments as you witnessed in St. John's where <laughs> where you know where Rick diverts from the plan or whatever and it's it's cool because then the rest of us have to figure out like all right. Well, great. Now, what, where where are we going with this? And it actually, I both fear those moments, but in a in a in a way that's exciting because it's you know you really have to figure out, and you're truly in that particular moment. You know, it's not a replication of the night before yeah. or the yeah. night after. This isn't sort of like the shtick where like the guy gets the extra long mic cable and jumps into the crowd every night. It's like it truly is a moment where you know it's about as close to jazz as we're gonna get totally <laughs> so it's like, totally and
1: i, I mean it's, uh, as a fan it's i find that stuff kind of vibrant like i, I find that stuff kind of interesting like it, it's more fascinating to me to see that than have see the same band a couple nights in a row and discover that they're not changing much up like i just saw right. the, i saw the blues explosion play two nights in a row and i would see them play all the time back in the day but never consecutively and i didn't realize that they don't use a set list and that I was going to see two completely different shows, and that's really that's really cool. I, I actually appreciate that, is that. Cool, yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, th- I think I think it's cool for a bunch of reasons. I think it means that like every night really gets a chance to be its own night. Um, and I, I mean, I understand when there are bigger shows, bigger tours where it's more of an event and a an entertainment complex arrangement where it's like there are people doing lights and
3: you know there's all these things
2: that are coordinated like i understand at that point it's like circus la it's not really rock and roll um but i still as a a person who loves live music it bums me out to see a band and they're clearly just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again you know it's just because to me it's like the, the point of live music is like it's here it's now it's not the thing that you can go home and listen to you
1: know yeah totally no i agree with you all right sorry did you did we play anything from receptor i don't remember i don't think we did
2: i want to go from like 110 112 something like that you get a little snippet of the chorus
1: okay okay that sounds good i'll go to i'll go to one tell you what i'll split the difference we'll go from 110 (laughs) but we'll go to 118 how about that you mean split the diff? Split, uh, yeah. Sorry, split the diff. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm not a marketing. Anyway, here we go. Here it is. Here it is.
3: <laughs>
1: you got some multi-track vocals going on there as well. Uh, that's it's interesting. It is very interesting.
2: That was actually sort of by chance, um, Rick wasn't sure how he was going to sing it so he tried it two different ways and then when we were playing it back it turned out that um our friend jeff who mixed that song had them both back you know both tracks up at the same time and was like you know this actually sounds really cool together do you guys mind if i mix them in and so we listened to it and we're like yeah sounds good so oh, nice. went for it
1: nice nice yeah. nice
2: all right so lucky lucky accident
1: lucky accident there yeah Well, uh, this is appropriate since we're closing in on the end of the uh, record. I'm Closing In is is the next song on the uh, list and uh, what can you tell us about that?
2: Um, That's one where I think the main riff was something that Greg had come up with that he was working on Um, and uh, it was actually I think while Rick was away doing Hot Snake stuff that Alexis and Greg and I just started kind of jamming on the main part trying to come up with something and uh, we tried to do something that, that to us felt sort of like uh like the yard birds or something like we wanted to have something that was kind of that felt more like 12 bar blues but in kind of a scrappy kind of you know uh like australian punk way or something and uh yeah and then you know rick came back and uh we were messing around with it and he was like you know i'm not going to bother to come up with another guitar part for the verse i'll just come in on the chorus and i think that it gave it a nice sort of push and pull between the two parts um, dynamically.
1: Oh, cool. All right, that's that's some good insight there. All right, what uh, what should we hear? Should we...
2: Maybe 135, and so you sort of get this, I don't know, somewhere around there. You <laughs> hear this sort of breakdown uh, that is, uh, yeah, it's just like bass, drums, and Rick's vocals, and then some feedback
1: comes in. Okay, 135... To one forty one, of I'm closing in by obits, starting now. I'm
3: closing
1: Man, his singing's awesome on this record. It's uh, it's it's great. That 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 was that was another cool excerpt. Thank you for that. Sure. Okay, now now we've come to the star of the album. Really, <laughs> this is uh, Machines. <laughs> And this features you. Yeah. This, is one, of your right. songs. this yeah. is one of your songs. Yeah. Kind yeah. of yeah. gentle and atmospheric as well.
2: Yeah, this one is actually one that uh, I was working on at home. Um, and uh, I just kind of came up with this real sort of... Uh, actually, it's basically what you hear. I did that at my house. And then I the idea was to take that into the band and kind of play it and see then what we would do with it as a band. And, you know, we... we listened to it and everybody was kinda into just the way it was and uh... which again was something we'd never really done before so we just took it and dumped it onto the tape machine like we had done for uh... this must be done and then again while rick was away greg and alexis and i uh... had kind of worked it on a a band version of it though it was a sounded pretty different hmm. but we decided to keep their Bass and drum part, and to just start that, but by coming in halfway through to give it a dynamic change. So, oh, okay. um, so you know, it, it was. An, I, I thought it was an interesting sort of sound-wise, an interesting combination of both, like the home, home recording, then mixed with the rhythm section, which is you know live in the studio that comes in halfway through. I thought that was a, you know, it gives it a, and, and I think it overall is a. So the mood of it, the tone of it, is different from the rest of the record, which is, you know, again, hopefully, a, a, an interesting change for somebody who's listened to the record as a whole.
1: This is the, uh, I believe, the least amount of songs you've had on a, an Obits record thus far. Is that right? No, I think on the first one, I just had one,
2: two. Oh, did you? Okay. I think Moody Santa Report, I ended up with two, just because of the way the songs worked out at the time. I mean, you know, who knows? Next record, I could have zero. I mean, I just sort of it's more just like what songs are working when it's time for us to to record so
1: okay no that's fair yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to get into any kind of political thing there I just I just <laughs> noticed it I just noticed it that my, my, and I guess I was actually wrong it's it is it's not that unusual for you to only have one song on the record I think uh, that's I think fair. the
2: idea is that slowly I'll take over so by the end <laughs> when we have zero fans it'll just be just you just be me yeah
1: alright so where <laughs> should we start with machines
2: um not the rewind at the beginning, because that's probably more than six seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Maybe around 20 seconds, so you hear a little instrumental than with with the vocals.
3: Okay,
1: that's fair. Let's let's go from 20 seconds to uh, 26 seconds. Right now, this is Machines, obits. Here we go. It's a pretty uh, interesting vocal treatment for you i i would think you know it's i don't know what to say about other than it's it's it's
2: well i did it in actually in the room that i'm speaking you speaking with you from and uh you know much like you have the wife and the child and so if i work on music and it's after a certain point i have to do it so that i'm not disturbing anybody Mm -hmm. Uh, and so uh it definitely has that uh you know after hours don't wake anybody up uh element and
1: it it also has a i don't know it's almost we were talking about how rick sounds sort of ghoulish uh and demonic in some of the songs but this one also to be honest has a slightly creepy element when someone's sort of half talking to you or like not half, not well half whispering half talking <laughs> that's that can also be a little unnerving is that's my point is what i'm saying
2: <laughs> well i mean i think uh you know, shtick aside, I think I think that um, I think that we really. I mean, the thing that's important to us as a group is to try to communicate some sort of atmosphere and one which I think reflects our our living, which is that you know we um, we live in a city, but it's uh, we don't live in the dead center of the city, and so you know when we walk home from practice at one in the morning, it's dark and the streets are cast with certain shadows and you know you've had a couple beers and it's just you know your your day is rumbling through your head and uh yeah so ho- hopefully the music reflects that and i think that's maybe that where the slightly i don't think it's sinister because i don't think we're we're not you know we're not sinister people we're not doing anything foolish no. no,
3: no. but i
2: think there's something um if, if there's an unsettling element to it or attention to it that part is something that i think um you know, it's it's uh, it's modern the tension of modern living. You know, it's um, and it, it permeates everything, really.
1: Yeah, I feel like we kind of hinted at elements of film noir in our last uh, in in this in this discussion at the end here, but that kind of goes well with the final song. I'm all about segues today. Double Jeopardy <laughs> for the third time. Double Jeopardy for the third time has that kind of like whoa, kind of a classic title in a, in, a, in a weird way like a it, it's cinematic to me
2: <laughs> right, right right uh yeah yeah starring uh humphrey bogart and joan crawford or something well else. it, I don't it know. also uh, it
1: also sounds like the rough notes for a sequel to, to double jeopardy <laughs> or, or, or double indemnity
2: or something <laughs> well it's just like double uh, jeopardy
1: for the third time this is the third one you know what i mean <laughs>
2: right right right. yeah yeah this is the one where the, the shark stars in the picture yeah exactly uh, <laughs> um the uh yeah th- this one was one that um i yeah, i think um it was actually one that we were working on for a while and it ha- again i think one of the things with with uh a handful of our songs is that the closer that they approach being kind of what we what to us we would consider to be pretty standard rock and roll or rhythm and blues elements um it's it's sort of us seeing how close we can get to that without really being that you know it's it's uh you don't want to get too close to the flame you know what i mean and and in the case of this particular song, it really does have that bar band like bar and grill like Bar and you know uh <laughs> but I, I think the the key is to for us to figure out how comfortably we can kind of skirt around that so you know. It's something that, honestly, in in none of our previous bands, I think we would have done. Um, But it's kind of, I don't know, I I like in this group how we we toy with that. Or or one of us will be playing something that would be really sort of rock and roll convention, but then the bass line will sort of upset it a little bit. Or the other guitar part, there's something ugly about it that you would not hear in the context of that other riff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Yeah, so this song I think definitely falls into that category. It's sort of, it's the most kind of like bar band, and yet there's something that's not quite right about it.
1: Right, okay. Well, can you give us a, a sense of that uh, sort of unsettling nature of the song?
2: Yeah, let's see. I think, um, well, there's this total like snake finger part in the middle. Um I mean, this is actually one I could totally hear, like, John Spencer yelling, like, God damn, on top of (laughs) it (laughs) or something. All right. Maybe 28 or 29 seconds, so you get the last, like, Rick's last line into, um, as he descends into the, through the double doors and the the bar and grill. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right, here it is twenty eight second mark of double jeopardy for the third time here Here it is again, I went long, I think that was eight seconds almost a jesus lizard uh, almost a Jesus lizard thing going on there
2: and you know I think that yeah, 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 and uh, I think that that 's something that again, with Alexis, you know we were able to to do that where you can play this part. And it actually has more, more punch, more sort of vigor than, um, than I think we would have necessarily done, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And that's, yeah. it's, it's fun, fun to be able to, to, to play with that.
1: Well, we went through the whole record. We gave everyone a preview of the entire new Obits record, so I'm very proud of us, uh, Sorab for doing that and thank you for answering these questions it was great sure no i i you know in the end i know in the middle you thought it was a fun exercise i hope by the end you agree that that was
2: oh no it was it's totally fun i my my only fear is that it will completely disinterest anybody in
1: hearing it no not at all why i think it's a teaser well who am i to say i was interested but i'm also it's impossible for me to be objective right now um <laughs> so usually obits makes singles and things uh, you've got this tour coming up what else is next for the for the band
2: well yeah we've got the october shows that i think you mentioned and then in november we're going to go to the west coast um and for the canadian folks I it will be in vancouver um and then next year we're, we're sort of trying to map out next year a little bit um we want to try to get to some places that we we have either not been to before like brazil or japan um or to try to get back to australia where we went last year for the first time and so 2014 fingers crossed is kind of a more international year for us just because uh we really 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 like traveling and going to far-flung places um oh nice so yeah
1: that'll be fun and, and are there plans for seven inches or anything like that no
2: plans but um Hopefully, yeah. I, I hope that. Ne- I mean, I, I, I personally like the fact that we ended up putting out two seven inches last year, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I would like it if if we end up doing another single or two next year. Um, we definitely have songs in various stages that we could we could do if we just sit down with them. Um, so, yeah, and you know, as a, as a person who likes. Buying other people's records, I think it's always fun when when a band has an album that gets all the normal album, you know, mm-hmm. cycle stuff, but then they do other things that maybe if you go see them play, you can get and you know more a part of the orbit of the band as opposed to the orbit of the album cycle.
3: Do the uh,
1: thirteen songs that represent Bed and Bugs uh, reflect the entire uh, recorded output during those sessions? Were there things that uh, didn't make it?
2: There was one tune that didn't make it, um, and that's just because the the, for whatever reason the the, we didn't finish one last piece of it, and it just didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the song. So, I mean, there is that. Um,
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you know, when I think I've mentioned this before, but when we go through for each record, we kind of we have all these practice recordings that we listen to because we you know when we practice we record whatever little snippet that seems halfway decent. and then we try to whittle it down to whatever is the most logical or the most the closest to being complete. Um, and uh, so it's nice we have, we always have sort of a backlog of ideas, and then it's a matter of deciding whether they're worth pursuing or not.
1: So. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. once again, the new Obits album is an awesome one called Bed and Bugs that it's available on September 10th by Sub Pop. The band's upcoming tour includes stops in Montreal's Il Tour on October 3rd, Toronto's Horseshoe Tavern on October 4th, and the Biltmore Cabaret in Vancouver on November 14th. Uh, for more information about these things, please visit subpop.com and obitsurl.com. They are on Instagram and Facebook, and probably now, based on this experience, soon they'll be on Vine. I mean, why not? <laughs> seems like something. If this is
2: what Vine is like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, can I can I give a plug for Alexis's uh one of his other bands cuz yeah, yeah. Girls Against Boys has a new EP coming out and it's really great okay. and uh so they're actually playing um the week that our record comes out, they're doing a week of shows along the East Coast, um, and the EP is a really, really cool record. So if anybody out there is already a Girls Against Boys fan, they will definitely dig it. And if you're not, check it out. Okay.
1: Excellent. Nice plug. Thank you very much. Now, yeah. we've given everyone samples. Uh, is there a song that we can go out in from the new records or up?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, do you want to play Receptor in its entirety? Since that you sort of said it seemed like a like an anomaly, might as well.
1: Sure, sure. If that's what you want to do, I'm, I'm leaving it in yeah, your hands. Why
2: not? Okay. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Receptor by Obits. Uh, sorry, i always a great, great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for all your time.
2: Thank you, Vish. Thank you very much.